following program, Real Estate Radio, is brought to you in part by Trusted Agent USA. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News of Radio or his management. Welcome to Real Estate Radio, hosted by the real estate therapist, Larry Shackman, a top-producing real estate broker, author, CEO, and founder of TrustedAgentUSA.com, the ultimate real estate matchmaker, connecting you with top-performing agents for 2% commission. Each week, we bring you exclusive interviews with industry experts, covering everything from staging to negotiation strategies to home inspection issues and everything in between. Whether you're selling your home, a first-time home buyer, or a seasoned investor, we've got you covered. Let's make your real estate dreams a reality in this fast-moving and ever-changing real estate market. This program is funded in whole or in part by Trusted Agent USA, Illinois license number 475-145-795. Now, here's Larry. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Saturday Morning, the Real Estate Radio Show podcast, joined by our illustrious co-host and cohort, Dylan Kramer. What's going on, baby? How are you? I'm doing awesome. Let's bring is it, you is on Is it all right to call here? you baby on the radio, Larry? Well, you're... I just did twice, so let's keep on. You keep saying we're on the couch, so yeah. we, we want to keep Stop things... Stop right yeah. there, buddy. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us again this Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., as always, on the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. You can call in or text us with any of your real estate questions or What's going on in your real estate life? You can reach us at 773-763-9278. That's 773-763-9278. Text or call in. We're going to take your calls in real time or your texts in real time. Answer any questions that you may have. And remember to follow us live. You can watch us live if you feel you really need to do that. You can watch us live on WCPT 820 on Facebook, or you can go right to our real estate group at the Real Estate Radio Show podcast group and watch all of our current and past podcasts. And we've had a lot of great guests on recently. Uh, We had Cliff Capson on recently talking about EIFS, uh, which is Drive It. A lot of people have homes that are their exteriors are clad and drive it. Cliff really uh, educated all of us on how to inspect that and how to uh, just keep that in good condition because when that gets damaged, it could be really expensive. The other thing I want to mention is we have some really, really cool guests coming up, Dylan. Well, tell me about it, Larry. Yeah. I'm fascinated to hear what's coming next. I know you are. I know you are. (laughs) So on the 17th, we have the CEO of Valiant Business Media out of London coming on. Okay. And Valiant Business Media, they put on these big media conferences. And they have PropTech coming up on the 27th of February in in London. And PropTech is really all about how technology is changing the real estate business. Uh, Tell me more about that. Which is a lot. You know, AI is changing everything and will continue to change everything, hopefully for the better, but... 
<laughs> Who knows? You never know with technology, the, right? The jury's out on that. Um, but yeah, the CEO for Valiant Business Media will be on on the 17th. And then on February 24th, it's going to be a great show. We have the vice president of growth on, Amanda Flieger, and she'll... Uh, She'll correct me if I just butchered her last name, like I do most they, people. They names. always do. They always do. Um, she is the vice president of growth for Curbio. And Curbio is really interesting because it gives homeowners a way to improve their homes and get them updated without any out of pocket money until the closing. Okay. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's going to be really timely because... uh, It's interesting. You know what? I think that that's another way to solve the problem um, when we had Dane on a few weeks ago. And uh, he talked a little bit about their solution to help folks who don't have a lot of time, energy, or money uh, to invest in uh, creating a traditionally saleable property. Yeah, uh, this looks like it could be an alternative solution. Yeah. Oh, for that. it absolutely so, is. Well, Larry, as you know, we're here to bring all things real estate to the people who are listening. Yeah, that is going to be an interesting conversation and very timely because we're just going into the spring season. I personally think the summer selling season is going to be hotter than the spring selling season for a lot of reasons we'll talk about, but. Um, yeah, so a lot of stuff going on, and I know let's let's inform everybody of your big move. Your, you know, I don't want to spend a boatload of time no, on it, but, but um, the uh, so for months, folks who've been listening to the show know I've been uh, affiliated with a uh, with Benchmark Mortgage. We've talked about that. Um, the new news is that uh, I have joined Neighborhood Loans, uh, which is a Chicago-based company focused on uh, serving Chicago uh, Chicago land home buyers and uh, I'm excited to be working for a, a local lender with a local presence uh, and, and to get really focused one of my charges in the new role is not only to serve kind of the traditional real estate financing space but also to uh, continue to serve our veterans at the highest level yeah which is awesome uh, we love doing that and uh, I've done, I've been, you know, as a listing agent on the opposite end of veterans using VA deals. And I got to tell you something, they always go smoothly. They're not hard to get done at all. And there's a, and we're going to talk about this in the second half of the show, so I don't want to get too deep into yeah, no, it I'm now. Lo- I'm looking forward to drilling down on it. But uh, it's a great product. It's an it's a great product for veterans. It, it, it's so fantastic, and one of my uh, passions for the serving of veterans with this uh, loan product and 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 in their real estate needs is it is underappreciated, uh, and occasionally you wouldn't believe it discriminated against. So I'm looking yeah, forward to talking about that a little more. But and FHA loans have been discriminated against in the past too. You know, well, people and are sometimes right afraid. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. For sure. And if you're a veteran and you're listening and you have some questions about VA loans, give us a call, 773-763-9278. You can text us as well. And uh, so let's get into some of the headlines, some of the numbers, some things going on. 
Uh, the feds, obviously, as we mentioned on our last shows, they have not lowered the rates at their last uh, at their last meeting. I don't think they're going to lower rates until June or July. I do think they'll probably lower them by a quarter percent in June or July. I'm, I'm kind of on the if they lower them at all thing, Larry. But the, look, the reason that they haven't lowered rates or they haven't signaled that they're going to lower rates in March is because the economic and inflation news, which I guess are two yeah. sides of the same coin, uh, continues to fly in the face of lower rates. It's a heated up market. It, it, the, the inflation situation is not moderating to the pace. Well, we're going to get the consumer price index this week, and that's going to, to be a thing. But the other thing is the employment numbers, and they continue to be good and strong, like we talked about exactly. last week. And so it makes it a very difficult charge for the Fed to uh, lower rates. It's yeah. just it's just not uh, – the, the recipe is not there. And so I don't know that it will be for at least the next three to six months. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you on that. I think you know one of the things I wanted to cover today, this morning – is what uh, what is the fed's mandate what what are and, and they actually in my mind have two mandates and you can well, not, not not just your mind i mean in, in everybody's in mind everyone's like that's mind. that's their charter right they have so two mandates one of them is keeping prices down inflation their goal is 2% it's always 2% correct right. Agreed. The first mandate of the Fed is price stability most most consistently. And and the reason I say that is it's not just to keep prices down because at the end of the day, they could could drive the economy into a situation where prices for everything fell dramatically and we would have deflation. And honestly, there have been a few times over the course of the last few years, including during the pandemic, where everybody was so worried about deflation um, that's one of the reasons we have all this inflation, and, and that is that the Fed overcorrected to the signals of deflation. So deflation is, uh, the, and you're like, ah, it'd be great if everything was cheaper, except it has a dramatic slowing impact on the economy. Because, for example, nobody will ever go to Costco. You'll put them out of business over the course of whatever, six months or a year. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm not going to buy two dozen rolls of paper towels. I want to buy one. Because if it's a dollar today, it'll be ninety six cents by the time I'm done with the roll. It'll be ninety two cents in three months, and, yeah. and so then you have this dra- dramatic drag on the economy. So two percent inflation stability over time, yes, is important to them for that reason. And, That's the first mandate, and that is a great point. It's not just to bring prices down; it is about price stability, and their goal is two percent inflation. The other mandate that they have is maximum employment. Now, what do we mean by maximum employment? There's no such thing as 100% employment. It's completely unattainable. But for the feds, what's ideal for the feds would be 2% inflation or thereabouts with about a 44 to 4.5% unemployment rate. When you have an unemployment rate and a really heated up job market with 3% 3% unemployment, or even where we're at right now, where, where are we at right now with unemployment, like 3.9%? Yeah, it's really, really low. You know, one of the things, and this gets into what we've talked about, so inflation 
is one mandate. The employment is the other. The, the employment figures are calculated. And, you know, it's funny. We talked last week a little yeah. bit um, about the way they can manipulate these statistics. That was interesting. But, but ultimately, the, the thing is that the question is how many people are available and interested in working and what percent of them are working, right? And then the opposite of that number. So if 96% of the available workers are working, you have 4% unemployment, right? Mm-hmm. And, and unemployment, look, there, there are people who are unemployed because they're between jobs, because they are moving from place to place, that because they turn around and, you know, they, they take Family Medical Leave Act, right? So they're not working. They didn't work hours that week. It's a very raw calculation. But the balance between employment, full employment, and, and again, full employment's not 100%. It's a number. Um, that is less than 100%. Mm-hmm. And the inflation rate are the two things that the Fed has to balance. And and sometimes they're in direct opposition to each other. Yeah, it almost, you know, it sounds counterintuitive when you say the ideal unemployment rate would be somewhere around 4.4% for the Feds because people generally think well, don't we want everybody employed? Right. Uh, no, because a heated up market like that uh, is going to mess with interest rates. Correct. So uh, those are, keep in mind when you're talking about the Fed's mortgage rates, the Fed rate, all that, the two mandates of the Fed, just to drill it down one more time, is like Dylan said, price stability, not necessarily just bringing prices down to the price stability and maximum employment. And by maximum employment, we mean somewhere between 4.4%, And then you're going to see interest rates and the feds lower their rate, uh, I think. We'll yeah, see. I look, and part of this depends on where the employment numbers predicting. goes. Yeah, look, I, I think that ultimately we're going to have some interesting stuff over the course of 2024. Um, there's an old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. and um, We are. We are in interesting times, my friend. Yeah. So 86% of metro areas posted home price gains in quarter four of 2023. 86% of metro areas and 15% of those areas posted double digit gains in home prices. So folks, if you're looking for if you still are of the mind that prices are coming down, right. um hold my coffee for supply and demand because prices are not coming down in in the housing market. They're really not going to come down at this point because we don't have the inventory to uh, justify prices coming down. And we still have incredibly high buyer demand. Right. Uh, But even though we have high buyer demand, only about 17% of people right now think that right now is a good time to buy a house. And why is that? You know, I I wish I could tell you, Larry, but I think that ultimately it's, uh, you know, because every individual case is a little bit different. But I think that the most important thing uh, is that again? We talked when we talked about the Fed about counterintuitive kind of perception. 
I think it's the counterintuitive perception that high rates make it a bad time to buy. Which we don't have right now. We have about six point. We're at about. We're averaging wow. about six point six five right now. You know, I, I, Larry. One of the things I, I, I think is worth talking about when you say that. I mean, when we're averaging in the high sixes, these are still the highest rates we've had in fifteen, eighteen years. And and so, although on one level you can go back and you can say, hey, look, um, these these rates are very average for the last thirty years. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But I think that one of the things that gives us as salespeople uh, a rougher reputation is when you turn around and you whistle past the graveyard, you're like, no, no, everything's fine, right? Everything's fine. This This is still good. It is. But let's talk about why. Because in the grand scheme of things, look, higher prices are more challenging in terms of interest rates and mm-hmm. and it's a and it's a reality that it makes the payments more expensive but the thing is that it has had a dampening effect on the pool of borrowers and the pool of buyers in the marketplace mm-hmm. so the thing is that it is a good time to buy when rates are high because everybody else has been like, oh, I don't want to get involved in that right now. But look, if it makes sense for you and you're qualified for your payment, to get in today means you're no longer fighting like you did two years ago with 15 or 18 other people to buy a house the weekend that it goes on the market. Exactly. You can take a deep breath. You can look at a couple of houses. You can get things figured out and make your bid without fearing that the house is going to be sold by 6 p.m. if you look at it at 11 a.m. And so it's an advantage to a sophisticated consumer to do that if they're qualified. So let's let, let let's not just like, oh wow, rates rates have been rates have been eight in the last thirty years. They have, but they've also been three. Mm-hmm. So let let's turn around and say, hey look. Yeah, I think there's both sides of that coin a- a- to look at hundred percent. And, and so oh, the thing I'm I'm saying is let's talk about the why. And the why is that it's a less competitive real estate market and so you can drive your best deal. The other thing is, look, if you get into a house today and you get 5% appreciation over the next year and, and rates drop into the fives, and mm-hmm. that's an if, right? We said yeah, it a year, a, a year and a half ago. We're like, you know, remember yeah. all year and a half ago, marry the house, stay at the rate. It's right. like, well, rates haven't fallen enough for any of those people to refinance yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. But the thing is that if you bought for $300,000 or $500,000 and you see a 5% increase, that's fifteen dollars to $25,000 increase in equity. And you can use that equity to refinance to a lower payment when that opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. And you stop renting. And, and you at stop the end renting. of the day, the thing is that exactly. even at six and three quarters or seven or eight, like we were at in October, the reality is that... Even at 8% on your mortgage, which we are not now, like let's be very clear about that, you are still owning your home, watching your appreciation happen over time, controlling your real estate situation. You have fired your landlord, and now you start paying your loan off and building equity. You remember, folks, you are always, always, always paying a mortgage. It is just a question of, if you buy a house, are you paying your mortgage? Or if you keep renting, 
do you pay your landlords? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think one of the other things why only 17% of the people out there, right, consumers out there right now, think this is the ideal time to buy is because they believe that rates are coming down. And th- that's what a lot of them are continuing to bank on. And we talked about, you know, waiting for markets and trying to predict market lows. And it's it's not possible it's, it's to a, do. It's a really tough... Look, that is a tough way to turn around and and do this. The one thing I tell everybody when I work with them on the mortgage side, and we've talked a little bit about how mortgage rates move day to day with the financial interest instrument of mortgage-backed securities, it's the same thing with stocks, right? Like, hey, look, I would like to, uh, I mean, you know, pick a stock. What? Uh, let's pick Google stock, right? I'm Googling it now while we're, while we're talking about this. Google stock's $150 today. I would like to buy it for $130. Can you tell me what day that's going to drop to $130? Yeah, exactly. No. No, I, you, you can't. And so you can't tell me what day you're going to get the right price on the, the real estate house. You can't tell me what day you're going to be the lowest possible interest rate over the course of the next three to six months. At, at the end of the day, none of that works. So you just have to figure out if the math works for you now. Mm-hmm. And then Absolutely. Act. And move. Right. Do it. Exactly. So, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to just go over a couple more things, and we're going to jump right into VA loans, why that's a great product, and we will be back in about 30. Tune in to Real Estate Radio, Saturdays at 9 a.m., hosted by the real estate therapist Larry Shackman, a top-producing real estate broker, author, CEO, and founder of TrustedAgentUSA.com. Top-performing agents for 2% commission, saving you thousands when you sell, buy, or invest. Real Estate Radio, the ultimate real estate radio experience. Get insider tips from experts throughout the real estate industry. Streaming live on Facebook at WCPT 820. Trusted Agent USA, Illinois, license number 475 Welcome back to Real Estate Radio, sponsored in part by TrustedAgentUSA.com, the ultimate real estate matchmaker, saving you thousands. Now, now back to Larry, the real estate therapist. All right, guys, we are back, and thanks again for joining us on the Real Estate Radio Show podcast with, of course, our co-host, Dylan Kramer. Hey, Larry. Uh, now at Neighborhood Loans. Absolutely. Chicago's very own. Chicago's very own, out of Downers Grove, my neighbor. Um, and uh, so a couple other things I want to go over, then we're going to jump right into VA loans yeah. and why it's a great product. So one of the things that I was reading is, so household debt has reached the highest level it's been at in like 4,000 years. We're at like $17.5 trillion uh, as of quarter four, 2023. And that's an increase of about $212 billion in quarter four. Right. But here, here's the thing that really catches my eye. $11 billion of that was an increase on balances on HELOCs or home equity loans. Yep. So people are drawing down on their home equity loans. Yes. Which, uh, you know, that affects their equity in For their sure. home. And, uh, you know, HELOCs are now, of the total debt, Three hundred and sixty billion dollars of the 
17.5 trillion. So obviously it's a per, it's a small percentage of that 17.5 trillion, but it's still 360 billion. Yeah. Larry, I do math for a living and these numbers are making my eyes glaze over. Well, here's the thing though. I mean, these are very uh, these are numbers that you need to pay close attention to because uh, equity matters. <laughs> Well, there, there's no question about that. And, I, you know, the, the other thing that I think is really important that you're kind of drifting in, but let's let's kind of cut straight to it, is at the end of the day, the appreciation in people's homes. We've talked we talked in the last segment about how important it is to buy and get the appreciation, get appreciation working for you and your family's personal finances. This is the result of that. If you bought two, three, five years ago and you've seen an $80,000 increase in your value and you can access it even at today's equity rates, which can be as high as 10% on second mortgages, but Mm -hmm. it often can be deductible and it's lower than the credit cards at 22, 25, 28%. It's a good way to go. You know, I had a conversation, Larry, and, and, you know, one of the other things is we've had people refinance instead of getting a second lien in, in home equity. And I don't know that these numbers uh, cover this. It, it also, we've had people refinance and give up their three or 4% mortgage because they have a thousand or $1,500 in car and credit card payments or more and roll them or more or roll them into the house. Yeah take the equity out of the house, get a new mortgage and reset the whole thing even if you have, even if you have to reset it six and a half and bring their monthly cost down. And we can do a calculation and that's it. bring your monthly cost down. We can do a calculation that shows you given your mortgage and given the debts that you're paying 22, 25, 28 percent on, how much exactly. will you save monthly? But also, what is your current weighted average interest rate? You know, one of the clients mm-hmm. I, I talked to had the following comment. They basically said, look, I don't want to give up my 3.875% mortgage. But they already did yeah. because they've compromised or challenged their personal finances with credit card credit card payments to the tune of a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, well, at eighteen twenty percent, you got no chance. You got no chance of making a dent in that, right? right? And so now, with no chance of making a dent in that, the question is, well, how are we going to turn around and uh, put the hammer down and fix this, reset this in a way that works? Well, if you've got a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars in credit card payments, that might be forty five thousand dollars in credit cards. It's a lot, but yeah. it's also I can also see how that gets away from folks, right? Absolutely. Over the course, you know, we're now two plus years after the turn in the market, and if your trouble started even during COVID, even if you got a lower rate, like you could be three four years into running up your balances, and all you know, there's always this optimism of like we'll figure this out eventually, but. It can be a long run to eventually. You could fix that now. Yeah. Right? Like eventually. Eventually isn't a straight line. Bingo. So I I think that there's some value in the overall discussion of what is the best way to deploy your existing home equity? Is it a a home equity loan or a second mortgage? Is it a full refinance and, and reboot of your existing financial situation? Depends on how much monthly cash flow relief 
you're going to get from yeah. the transaction. Absolutely. But a qualified mortgage professional like Dylan Kramer at Neighborhood Loans can help you. Nice. Yeah, you like that? I like um, that. Can help you figure out what that math looks like. And, and you know, you've heard us say on this podcast, on this radio show, over the course of the last year, the math never lies. Like, the yeah. math is the math. And so then the question is, does it make sense for you to pursue it? Yeah. Remember, you guys, if you have any questions or any comments, you can text us or call us at 773-763-9278. So, you know, definitely consumers are going into more debt. There's no question about that. They're going into more debt on their home equity, uh, on their HELOCs. Uh, housing affordability is still at historically low levels at 37.7%. You know, basically what that means is 37.7% uh, of households earning the national median, which is uh, about $96,000 a year. Right. 37% of those people can actually afford to get into the housing market right now. Right. And that's not good. We need no, to. I agree. We have to work on that. Uh, and I think that's the other reason why maybe only 17% of consumers out there think that right now is the optimal time to buy. You know, you're right about all of that. The thing that your closing statement makes me think of that I just want to remind everybody is in the in the famous words of uh, Warren Buffett, the time to buy is when everybody else is scared to buy, oh, yeah. and the time to sell is when everybody is dying to yep. buy. Yep. And so we're really in a situation where if eighty three percent, the opposite of seventeen, are telling us it's not a good time to buy, I think the seventeen percent are right. Yeah, so you just want to keep an eye on all of this. And this all comes down to, you know, the world is a very small place right now, right? Yes. It's very compressed. And everybody's situation is different. So you have to really keep an eye on your finances and uh, make decisions based on what is your total debt. What is your total monthly output? Exactly. Even if you're at 3 or 4% mortgage, does it make sense to refi at 6.5% and dump all your 19 and 20% credit cards in there and bring your overall monthly debt down Absolutely. since we know your house is always going up in value? Last thing I want to talk about before we get into VA yeah, loans, because yeah. it's a little bit of a rant. But oh, uh, yeah. hold on. Let me get my coffee. Yeah, put your helmet on. <laughs> um, put that safety helmet on. Um, so another major firm, Keller Williams, has announced it has agreed to a $70 million settlement with Sitzer Burnett, the lawsuit that challenged commission structure, which I don't in the end think is going to change a damn thing. So, but whether it does or doesn't, that's just my opinion, which is worth the cup of coffee you're drinking right now, possibly less. So, um, is that so? Is that displacing the settlement? Were they part of that lawsuit? Yes. Or this is okay. Yes. So they're gonna they're basically gonna pay money to make the settlement go go away or the lawsuit the, judgment. Their 
their portion of their the judgment. portion go away. They're paying $70 million, just like anywhere real estate decided to pay whatever, just like, you know, some others, uh, Caldwell Banker and some others have decided right. to settle. What I think this, one of the things I think this really gets down to is uh, these firms looking at the National Association of Realtors and basically giving them the finger and saying, we're done with you, you've done nothing for us, and your lawyers somehow suck so bad it's unbelievable because this case was decided in two and a half hours. And I think, honestly, Dylan, I think a lot of these large brokerages have lost confidence in the NAR. You know, Larry, it's funny. We... um when we had Patrick Loftus on a few months back, he, he talked a lot about this lawsuit, and I know we spent a, a fair amount of time on it over the course of probably a month, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. talked about it every week, so we haven't talked about it in a while. I'm happy to revisit it. But one of the things Patrick said ultimately is, like, who are these lawyers that are getting involved in this? And, and at the end of the day, look, one of the things that if you're a trade association, and I think you're right about the NAR, is... Um, but this is this is not the first trade association, nor will it be the last mm-hmm. to kind of just be fat and sassy guarding the hen house. And, um, you know, they just are standing guard at the front door and then somebody slides in the back door and, and it, you know, all of a sudden we're like, hey, where the where the golden goose go? Right. And that's where we're at with this. I think that they they really fell down on the job. And I think it's legitimate for these companies to question how, uh, to what end are they helping? Because, look, if you're the NAR um, or any trade association, not to just pick on them, although they're the only one in this discussion, mm-hmm. but, 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 but if the competitors to the NAR popped up, you're charged with really one of two responsibilities, right? You've got to turn around and you've got to defend the industry against all outside fights right and mm-hmm. um or you have to turn around and say you know that's not our angle we're going to defend the consumer and the way we serve the consumer to create consistency in our ranks in how we serve the consumer and at the end of the day they've protected neither the consumer nor the professional realtor nope. over the course of the last 30 years, yeah, and here we are. And here we are. And I think that's why all of these, uh, which personally I think this lawsuit is a money grab by all of these plaintiff's attorneys who are in the end going to make hundreds of millions of dollars and the plaintiffs are going to get a check for about 150 and they're going to go out for a sushi lunch and that's going to be the end of it. Um, so that's my rant on on all that and believe me it's i'm not ranting on keller williams or anybody else for settling i I think at some point you gotta look one of the things about lawsuits you know lawsuits ultimately um are about hurt feelings or about money right like that's just the reality of how lawsuits work that's one of the reasons that divorce is so painful for most people right because you wrap both the hurt feelings and the fight about money together yeah. And so it's it's very, very unpleasant. But most other lawsuits, in business in particular, 
are either about hurt feelings or money, right? Uh, business partners get offended because one guy wants to turn around and go start another company or wants to sell and force a sale or wants to, they, you know, they, and, and that they're like, we built this company together or this partnership together for 15 years and now you're going to X. They're not, they, they both made a ton of money together. They're not fighting about the money. They're fighting about the hurt feelings. Yeah. This NAR lawsuit is a hundred percent about the money. And ultimately if it's just a money fight and not a hurt feelings fight, you settle because in spite of the fact that $70 million is an astronomical amount of money, Keller Williams has that money. Yeah. They just don't want to spend it, but it could cost them Much far more. more than $70 million to not settle. And so guess at what? some point you, you settle. And guess what? These plaintiffs, attorneys, these class action, they knew they were going to settle. Of they knew course. going in these places were going to settle because on a $1.8 billion, they knew that if they won a $1.8 billion uh, judgment, yes, people were going to start dropping like flies. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. So the, the, the thing is that they won the judgment and it forces them to the negotiating table. Because the other thing for the plaintiff's attorneys in this case, I would argue, only having the cursory knowledge that I have here, is the idea that they're actually going to collect the $1.8 billion mm-hmm. before these companies go to bankruptcy court mm-hmm. doesn't work. So now we're just in a negotiation. How much do you have? How much can you lay your hands on? How, much, how quickly can I get the money? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I could, in theory, collect $1.8 billion from you if you have it, which I'm not sure you do, in five to seven years as the appeals wind their way through the system. Yeah. Um, and then you go to bankruptcy court. Or you could just send me $70 million next month. We could all move on, change your paperwork a little bit, and And guess we go. what? That's what's happening, and, and, and I, I expect that's what will continue to happen because I expect more of these lawsuits to pop up. And look, for the listener, for the real estate market participant, right, let's call – or the home buyer, right, the 2024 home buyer, the 2024 home seller. Ultimately, what? how is this going to impact you? The answer, not really all that much at all, except no. maybe if you're selling, the paperwork you saw in the disclosure package when you bought two, three, five, twenty five 25 years ago will look slightly different than the paperwork you signed today to list yeah. your house on the market, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that a lot of uh, – there's going to be like a major shift here other than to the bank accounts of the – Plaintiffs, yeah, I attorneys. agree. So, um, all right, listen, let's move on. We've talked a lot about numbers, and we've talked about a lot, a, a lot of important things that affect everybody when it yep. comes to buying, selling, whatever. But I want to get into, you know, you've moved to neighborhood loans. Right. One of your, one of your uh, driving. Uh, principles, and one of the things you're really going to look to do is help veterans. So let's get into the VA loan and take it away. Sure. So look, Larry, one of the things we've done over the course of the last few years is work to serve veterans at a very high level. One of the challenges that I've seen in the marketplace and I've witnessed personally is the the veteran home buyer um, is often... um, preyed upon by the call center lenders. So there are companies 
and I'm not going to name them here because uh, for go li- ahead. No, no, for liability reasons, I'm not I'm naming joking. names. I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. But they are advertising on football games, yeah. and golf tournaments, and you can find them all on Sunday morning. You're going to find them on the Super Bowl, uh, you know, tomorrow night. The fact of the matter is that they are wrapping themselves in the flag from a name standpoint. However, they're just call center lenders, just like lots of other call center lenders that market. And ultimately, what they do is what most call center lenders do. They pull a quick, soft-pull credit report. They take your word for two things over the phone. A, I am eligible for a VA loan. And B, this is kind of what I make. And they'll tell you you're pre-approved when you're nothing more than pre-qualified at mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. At best. At best, yeah. And so they'll send and they'll send folks out in the marketplace and let them get under contract and write a check for earnest money and write a check for home inspection and write a check for an appraisal. And, it, it, and, and then the fun starts. It, well, yeah. And then you wake up 40 days into a 45-day loan process, mm-hmm. and you think you've packed your boxes, you're moving at the end of the week, and they're like, you're not even eligible for a VA home loan because your certificate of eligibility. Um, you know, the thing that I I ask agents all the time. People people call me to help fix their VA home loan problems, even on transactions I'm not involved in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, the first thing I ask is, can you send me a copy of the certificate of eligibility? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say invariably, but far too often, the inexperienced, non-focused on the serving the veterans home lender whether that's a call center lender or even a local lender who doesn't specialize in serving veterans, is they will not pull the certificate of eligibility, and sometimes they won't even know to, and then the veteran's not eligible for that product. It's the first thing that should be done. So let let me ask you this, and I think you might have just answered that, the question I'm about to ask. What is the best way for the consumer who's a veteran that is looking to buy a home, that is looking to use the VA product, what is the best way for them to avoid all of this madness out there? What's the best way for them to avoid it? So you mean aside from call me? It, well, of course, call you. Yes. I mean, so, but, 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 that, but that How goes without that, saying, by right? The by the way, what if, is you, that if you do want to call me, you want to learn a little bit more about potentially taking advantage of your VA home loan benefit, don't hesitate to call or text 630-708-7088. Again, 630-708-7088, and we can help you figure out your eligibility. Yep. Now, with that said, um, any qualified local lender who understands this product will ask you in the first conversation, um, did you serve? And if so, tell tell me about your discharge. Tell me about if you think you have VA home loan eligibility. They will take that information. Do most people know that? I mean... Most people do. You know what? When you're... uh, My understanding, not being a person that served myself, my understanding of how this works is when you are discharged from a branch, a branch of the military... They sit you down on a day and they kind of give you a, 
a day of here's your transition to civilian life and mm-hmm. it's here's how you sign up with the VA for their benefits right medical pension transition dealing with you know some of the challenges of not being in the reg- regimented day-to-day of military life and oh by the way here's the information about your VA home loan so there's a list and they run you through it okay it might cover 15 minutes of a six or an eight hour day or whatever the case is and but it's not detailed so most veterans leave the military and they have a thousand other problems and buying a house using the benefit is not on the top of the list as they're sitting in the in the meat of transition mm-hmm. and so it becomes a thing to learn about later for most folks and they're not there's not a resource for it mm-hmm. and so like lots of things in life, right? If you don't have expertise, you will listen to somebody. And even if they only know 10% more than you, they it seems like they're knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Well, a call center person is given a lot of scripts to make it look like they know a lot more than you when they really only know a little more than you. Yeah. And look, I don't begrudge call center lenders from trying to work there and gain experience. What I do have is a grudge against not executing at the highest level because what happens is people's lives get jammed with. And and, and you have to go through. It doesn't take long to get a certificate of eligibility. And then it's... But, Larry, that's that's the thing that's different, right? Getting a certificate of eligibility understanding if you're eligible for the VA home loan. However, almost everything else is identical in terms of the pre-approval process. What do you make? Does that work in terms of monthly payment relative to your income? Now, the VA home loan is also fantastic because higher debt-to-income ratios are eligible. There's not a debt-to-income limit. One of the cool things about the way that loan is underwritten is you've heard the phrase, oh, the debt-to-income is too high. VA loans are underwritten on residual income. So Mm -hmm. they look at the house you're buying. There's an allotment per square foot for maintenance. There's a uh, calculation done for child care, et cetera, et cetera. And if if the veteran has enough money left, so like high-income veterans, meaning actual cash, right, because it doesn't really cost much more to feed your kids, Mm -hmm. whether you make 50 grand, or two hundred grand, mm-hmm. right? And so that residual income can lead to debt to income ratios north of fifty, north of sixty being approved, and that helps the veteran get into a housing transaction that they might not be eligible for on a conventional loan. Yeah. So bottom line, you want to avoid the. I'm not saying avoid call centers or anything like. What I'm saying is this: the bottom line is in order to avoid confusion and problems when you're contemplating doing a VA loan. The best thing to do, in my opinion, is to get with someone like Dylan who's local, who you're going to get on the phone, who you're going to meet with for coffee, who's going to make sure you get over the finish line because you got all your ducks in the, a row. The, the most, Larry, that's exactly the right advice. A local, trusted, veteran mortgage expert. Yeah can help you navigate that circumstance um, and, and navigate the challenging waters. It's just not 
Um, it's just not a place for amateurs, yeah. I guess, is really the most important thing to and understand. And I'm going to uh, also, uh, you know, transition that into real estate agents as well, which, of course, I'm a real estate Completely broker. Agree. I've been doing it for 23 years. I've been an investor. I've been the top REO broker in Illinois through that incredible mess we went through 2008 to 2016 or so. Um, And it makes a difference when you work with somebody that knows the market, knows your market, and you kind of hand them off all the stress of the negotiation when it comes to home inspections, when it comes to price negotiation, when it comes to staging your home, when it comes to what can you do to get that highest and best price. And if I can't help you, who can help? You like maybe somebody like Dane Laverty over at uh, Property Pals, who's going to be joining us on the third Saturday of every month, yeah. starting this month. That's so awesome. you know, there's a lot of things out there that typically consumers don't know about because they're not doing it every yeah. day. So don't listen to all the noise. Work with an agent you know, like and trust. You can call me at six three zero nine two one zero six one one with any questions at all or work with a great uh, mortgage broker like Dylan who can do the same thing. Yeah, and and I think, Larry, that's the most important thing, that ultimately you have to find, as soon as you get out of the vanilla, right? Like the, I think the home loan business over the last 10 years has marketed a version of, hey, we've got an app and you can get pre-approved on your phone in 20 minutes and it's no problem. And look, the technology is super advanced. Mm-hmm. And for the for the client who fits the profile of, I've got a W-2 job, I'm gonna, I've been there for more than two years, I'm going to underbuy my budget, and I absolutely have the money in the bank to do this transaction, mm-hmm. that person is probably okay using an app or a call center website to navigate the challenges, right? Those checklists are not hard. You know, it's 30 days of pay stubs. It's two years of W-2s. And if you're at the same job and and you've got the money in the bank and and you put a couple of bank statements up, it's not that hard. And so, yes, those companies, in theory, can get you approved. Now, I would argue they won't get you a better deal in spite of their marketing. But that's a different conversation. Yeah. The technology exists. But as soon as you do something complicated, and VA loans are complicated by definition, it's challenging to turn around and use an app to nav- and, and, and an inexperienced call center lender employee to make this happen for you. It's just difficult. Yeah. It's, it, it, and it so is. I would argue that the need for the local lender expertise is important but the other thing is to your point if you sit down with you or me and we have coffee and we talk about your eligibility and we sit down and we shake hands across the table and I pull your certificate of eligibility it's now my job to get you to the table and do you think I want to look across another table at you 6 weeks from now and be like hey I we screwed got a up sorry yeah right yeah but that's in essence what you get from a call center and yeah. so the accountability much to different. everybody like if you and I work on a transaction 
and I screw it up. I got to come in here on Saturday morning and look across the table at you and be like, well, I screwed that up. Sorry. Like, that's accountability. Which never happens. But it, Right. You know. I understand that. but it, it, And it doesn't happen because we have accountability. Yeah. yeah. And so that accountability is so important to the VA home loan and to the veteran that um, I, I, I would argue that whether you do business with you or me or not, you should do business that way yeah. rather than through a call center. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Hey, before we wrap up, I just want to give everybody a chance to Jeez, we're here get already. the free book, The Top Tens of Real Estate. How would I do that if I was well, interested in the top tens? Uh, well, first, Larry, tell me about The Top Tens of Real Estate. Well, you know, The Top Tens of Real Estate is a book that I recently wrote. It's the 32, it's 32 proven top 10 real estate lists that are designed to maximize your profit when you buy, sell, or invest. And it's going to give you a lot of the information you need, some of which we've talked about today. And uh, if you'd like to get the free ebook, just text me book at 630-921-0611, and we'll get that free ebook in your hand. You could you know, go buy it at Amazon or wherever else you want to buy a book, but you will get the free ebook if you simply text me 630-921-0611. Also, real quickly, I just want to thank our sponsors, and that is Trusted Agent USA. TrustedAgentUSA.com is going to match you with the best agents, the most uh, uh, the agents that have really produced in your area know your area well, and they're going to show you an easier uh, transaction process that's going to put the buyer and seller in control. It's all 100% free with no obligation to find out. I also want to thank, of course, Dylan and Neighborhood Loans and At Home Title Services. If you want to save 43%, exactly 43% on your title insurance policy, call me, 630-921-0611. It's the second largest expense you have when you're closing your home uh, next to real estate commissions. So you guys, having said that, Dylan, great seeing you again. Thanks, Larry. Good to see you. Always glad to spend an hour, even a quick hour like this one, on the real estate uh, therapist's couch. Thank you. And you guys have an awesome, awesome weekend. And we'll see you again next week on the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. Devin, take us off the air. Thanks for joining us on Real Estate Radio with your host, Larry Shagman, the real estate therapist and top producing broker. Now go to trustedagentusa.com and save thousands when you sell, buy, or invest. Illinois license number 475-145-795. Tune in next week for the ultimate real estate radio experience.